Hey everyone, welcome to Tales of Recovery. This is a fucking vulnerable as fuck podcast for me. Uh, talking about women against women and why we want to police other women and sexism. Sexism is what has created this. So it's a toughie to get into, but you know, hang in there. It gets really good. It's me, me young and me having a super dope ass real and raw conversation about this topic. Mimi Young is my friend. She's been on the podcast before. Uh, she is a shamanic practitioner. She also does neurofeedback. She has a company called Open Minds where they, you know, work with your brain and neurofeedback for self-optimization. Basically, this woman is one of the smartest people I know, and she's funny, and I'm so excited to have her on here again for this deep conversation about sexism. So thanks, Mimi, and here we go. Get a cup of tea and listen in. So this is about how safe we feel in front of another woman. How safely do you just open up and trust and want to be connected? Or are you on guard watching your every move? Do you feel safe or not? <laughs> so we're going to jump right in to the conversation. Thanks for listening to Tales of Recovery. Please rate, review, and share if you like this. And even if you don't. Competition, like when women are competing against each other, is because they're not really clear on who they are. And I think that's one of the symptoms of having, of being in this culture of sexism. Because one of the things you said again which was so beautiful was that a happy woman is not looking for problems with other people, right? So how do we get there? Like, what do you think, what has been your experience <clears throat> of these things getting in the way in the biggest, most tangible form for me is that I have, I've had a problem and I think what this happens is I cannot, or I've had a, a struggle connecting deeply with other women because of this. That's the basis of this podcast. Connecting deeply with other women because of this idea, this competition, this sexism, this whatever. And that's really, that's really fucked up. You know, it's, it's, it's been difficult because we're missing out. And if you're listening out there, that this may be helpful in creating awareness of kind of where this comes from, you know, and to watch for it and then be able to alchemize it and just be like, oh, these are messages. This is patriarchy. This is like, where did it all start from? For me, it really started with, of course, the way I was raised and my old school parents and you have to look nice for the men. Don't be too sexy for the men. Um, be careful what you say, how you act. And what ended up happening is that I became, perhaps subconsciously, a guardian for other women to not do the same. Like, I'll be watching what you say, do, or act, and then I'll be like, oh, even though I'm over here completely, you know, partying with a miniskirt, enjoying it, but then I'm like, oh, look at her, because of the subconscious messaging has been, you can't do that. You must behave in this particular way. 
we're in an era now where women are way more liberated and more free, quote unquote. We're still getting so much shit about this, you know? I have a daughter who's 20 and I see her freedom and how way more open and she just doesn't care. She's just like, woohoo. And I'm a very like rebellious, open-minded, I'll do what the fuck I want kind of person. However, these things are like deep in the subconscious. And how do we make them go away? Mm. (laughs) What do you think? Mm. Firstly, thank you so much for for having me um, back again. I love chatting with you. I love how (laughs) real and deep we get. (laughs) And, you know, to further what we had chatted about in that previous conversation, not on the podcast, but on your one-on-one, we just through the content of the journey and the context of what you were sharing with me, another piece, just as a generalization, was that you and I both experience more sexism, symptoms of sexism from women, more from women than, let's say, compared to men. And why is this not being discussed in the greater circles? Um, I think, A, because a lot has been discussed about how men can be sexist, but it's not sexism isn't based on gender. It's based on a way one views the world. It's based on a system of values on, like you said, the rules and anybody can be participating in this. It's not about gender. And yes, I I feel that, you know, step one is to be aware that these rules are so deeply woven into our individual and familial and societal consciousness. Doesn't matter if you're religious or not, doesn't matter if you're liberal or conservative, because at the end of the day, these rules are so core to culture. And of course it varies from culture to culture, but the fact that the rules are there, I mean, it's it's, all cultures have have codes, right? That you have to abide by. So for me, um, it, it began with becoming really aware of all those codes and then realizing, yeah, I was noticing exactly like you said, I was noticing how it would show up in how I wanted to enforce rules towards other women and how unfair it felt if they weren't following the rules and appear to be having a good time. <laughs> like how dare so-and-so not follow the rules and get away with it because I've had to fucking follow this rule or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and realizing that when we have these feelings of envy or irritation or whatever, a lot of it has to do with our own struggles with the same rule. Um, and interesting women, when we see other women not following the rules, uh, we have these mechanisms that are built in to help ensure most women abide by the rules. Um, you know, the mechanism of gossip, (laughs) right? The mechanism Mm -hmm. of 
ostracizing, making sure that that person who's not following the rules is kept out of the group. Um, They can't belong. And that's because we know ultimately that's what hurts us. We know that we want to fit in. We want to be part of a group. We want to belong. This is like a deeply human need. Um, And if most of us, if we are at that crossroad between do I follow the rules or I don't, but if I don't, I risk being kicked out of the group. Now, this applies to all groups. This applies to mainstream groups, but it also applies to subculture groups. Like there's been times where it's like, it's interesting. It's like, even within a subculture, you are still expected to conform and abide by the rules. Like you've got to be radical and like really, you know, rebellious. And if you're not rebellious enough or hardcore enough, you're also kicked out of the subculture group, (laughs) which is like (laughs) so ridiculous. So at the end, it's, it's, me having to really open my eyes and notice that there's these codes and then asking myself, well, what rules do I really want to follow? And, and can we experience belonging even if we don't even share the same rules or share the same interpretation of the rules? Because I, and I think at the end of the day, that the issue of sexism can actually touch on so much more. I can talk about the huge political division, the polarization that's happening right now all over the world, really, politically, um, and how all of a sudden we don't know how to talk to people who are not exactly like us. Um, But it goes back down to this idea of inclusion, this idea of enforcing rules, and why are these rules there in the first place? To control. To control and shut you down. Yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, it gets in the way of being more tolerant. And even tolerant is like you're tolerating something. That's just a messed up word. But being more, I guess, open and inclusive. So one of the things I think about that gets in the way as well is like me celebrating somebody else's. Uh, and I'm going to keep it to women, right? Like another woman, like celebrating somebody else's the way of moving or through life or the way they're expressing themselves so freely, owning their sexuality, their beauty, not caring. Um, and the one thing that, that does jump in is that whole gossip thing of like, if, even if I don't have anybody to gossip with, in my mind, I'm already gossiping with myself. Like, Look at her. <laughs> exactly. It's nice to be able to wear that freaking red lipstick, you know? Yeah. And then it's like, yes. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Yes. Who's saying that? Who's saying that? And I think, so I, I got the definition of sexism just so that we can, mm. it says prejudice, stereotyping, or discrimination, which of course is like you said, it's for all freaking groups. Then it says typically against women on the basis of sex. Mm. Sexism is a language, in language is an offensive reminder of the way the culture sees a woman. And so maybe we can talk about how we've worked through this in order to be able to connect with other women, right? Yeah. So that this could be somehow helpful to whoever out there is listening if you have a problem to connect. And if you don't have a problem to connect with other women, oh my God, call me and you can be on the podcast because <laughs> you need to teach us how the hell, you know? <laughs> um, 
because I used to think for a long time that it was just because my mom and the relationship with my mom and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, it's fine. I mean, I think it's more deeply ingrained in this control thing. And if we go way, way back, obviously, to when patriarchal religions came in and women started to be arrested, burnt, killed, you know, and these new new systems of organizational religion took over. Well, the way I think about that, it's like, oh my goodness, that's like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years of this bullshit. So it's not an easy thing to say, oh, I'm going to be cool and just not think about that. It's in the freaking DNA, you know, it's in the... So what is some of the work that you've done to heal this, to honor your feminine? Because I know you do. I know you've done so much work. It's, and when I go to your classes, I'm like, whoa, she's so freaking smart. And this is so amazing. You know? So how, what are some of the, some of the, yeah, like some of the work that you've done in order to be able to alchemize this, notice it, become aware, and then just be able to enjoy own femininity because I don't think it's until we honor our beauty and and I'm free in my own body and I'm free in my femininity that I can look at any other woman and be like oh yes I celebrate you amazing instead of like wait a minute I better not talk because you're going to think this or that about me and then I won't be able to be in your group blah 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 you know or I don't know if you were to and we don't have to go back thousands and thousands of years. It's, it's just a few hundred. Um, if we were to go back to, let's say, the witch trials and just the general crusade to obliterate the witch, um, women were faced with a decision back then. They were faced with the decision of dying as a witch or denying that part of themselves so that they can survive. Mm. And if they had chosen the latter, if they had chosen to deny themselves so they, they can survive, part of it was to ensure a certain level of comfort and safety and some power by making sure that they can turn in other witches, other women mm. who are not following the rules, so to speak. Right. So kind of I see it as that. So what they gained or what they thought they gained was some safety and some stability. And for me, I've had to go back to that story as well and ask myself, by me following these rules and by me enforcing these among other women, what do I really gain? And I I, I didn't really gain anything. Like I, I really didn't. I, it just created this. And for me, it's, it, there's a many things that are tied to sexism in, in my being, in my psyche. It's my tendency to, um, to be perfectionistic. It's my tendency to overwork and to earn my love and earn my rest and earn my pleasure and earn you know, approval, like all these things. And so I had to go back to that. I had to face this, this story 
this this rule book that said if you follow all these things you will be happy and free and yet I wasn't I, I wasn't I felt so constricted and so burdened and I was having um a real at that time a real existential crisis not to mention um severe anxiety and when I wasn't anxious it, it would it, it w- would be sort of this very brittle hum of maybe I'm okay but actually I wasn't um and then it would, yeah, it, it could go as severe as, as actual panic attacks. Um, but that's really what I had to confront. I had to confront this idea of like, who is this all for? And when I realized mm. that I had essentially, and I mentioned this actually in um, the last uh, session of the mystery mentorship program within uh, module two, right? Air module, um, I had said, that I got the whole story wrong because we were told to not sell our soul to the devil. We were told to be safe and mm-hmm. to seek refuge from savior, the savior of, of God. And what happened, I realized was I, 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 it's true. I did not sell my soul to the devil. I sold my soul to father God and the savior Ugh. And that's actually was part of the whole thing. And so I had to, I had to decolonize from that, this idea that I needed a system to justify my existence as a woman. Can and I just, then once, can I just repeat that real quick? I'm sorry. Yeah. We, we sold our souls to this father God. Just let that sink in. Sold your soul to this father God. Let that sink in. Because this is where all the issues began. Okay. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt. That was just like, we've, we've been told so much that we sold our soul to the devil. No, you sold your soul to the system of oppression, of control. Yes. It didn't allow you to have your own birthright. Exactly. And all of a sudden, it was just this idea. I mean, you know, there's all these stories that are written into that, um, into that mythology, right? The mythology that, when you are born, you are born with sin. There's already something wrong with you. A baby is born with something wrong with them. Like, like right? Like, just like that mm-hmm. as an idea and how one needs atonement through, through this, the sacrifice. Um, and, and that sacrifice is, is what needs to be worshipped, right? It's like that, that sacrificial lamb, so to speak, that, that, yeah. that savior son. Um, so, so that was part of it because I mean, along with it, it's like all these commandments and all these rules and, um, and, you know, like we can kind of dissect that a little further if we wanted to, but going back. So my, that road for me was realizing actually the forbidden had so much wisdom and the forbidden of course is presented as the devil, Mm-hmm. And so I actually wound up having to talk to the devil and asking him, how do I buy my soul back from this God <laughs> that I supposedly, you know, like, like, I, I don't know, I need to get myself out of this. Mm-hmm. And the devil said, you have to start examining the lies that you have believed in. Because remember, sure. the devil is the king of lies, but the, the lies are meant that he is the king of lies. Um, because 
it's through understanding lies and the lies that we all have complete be have, have been complicitly um, believing or perpetuating and reinforcing by enforcing it in others, particularly mm-hmm. with women in the context of sexism, and realizing, well, where's the truth in this? And he had said, this is, this is like the most beautiful thing. The devil says, your safety and your existence is without condition. Right? Like, it's like, wow, God never said that to me. But the devil did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? The and shadows. Is, mm-hmm. The shadows. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's that part of you that has always been there. And remember, rules only need to exist because apparently we don't know what we're doing and that's why we need someone else to tell us what to do and then to you know follow those rules and then to make sure everyone else is in check um and at the end of the day it's like we completely lose ourselves and it goes back to what you had said earlier when we first uh began recording is um this idea that competition or even comparison the idea that women comparing themselves with other women and women do this we do this a lot It's based on not being clear on who we are. Well, of course we don't know who we are. We've all been busy following a set of rules. We never had the chance to discover who we are. We never had a chance to discover what our rules are. Our own rules are way more important than an external set of rules. Because if we know what's important for us, and if we know where we are willing to compromise and where we're not, like this is my, the hard line, this is where, you know, that's where my boundary starts and ends, then we can make choices that actually bring us fulfillment and a sense of power and direction. And we can have meaningful conversations with other women and know how to trust because, well, there's just some, I've got some non-negotiables. They're not because uh, an external religious system had told me this. It's because I created these rules for myself. And that's so much more real for me. Yeah. Thank you, first of all, for normalizing what this system has done to us, which is cause anxiety and feelings of, like you said, you know, you, you had this period of like, not feeling well and I think a lot of women go through this and so to 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 know whoever's out there listening that this is normal that this is something that the sexism this these rules has caused in us right having to hustle to, to have worth to belong to look a certain way and then so I honor that thank you because that's that's important for us to realize that maybe this is part of why we feel like this right mm. these 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 expectations of behavior in order to be quote unquote safe. So we sell our souls to this, you know, patriarchal male God. And also that this is part of the reason why we're trying to make ourselves and others again, quote unquote, behave. And so what you say about, can we have our own rules Fuck yeah, we can, you know, (laughs) yeah, Uh, but get ready for this, everybody. Um, It's, it doesn't have to be hard, but it is at first because the software programming is so deeply embedded in there about how 
things need to be this way, things need to be that way. Um, which is really where the work comes in. Okay, so you were saying how you're struggling and you're going through like this, this time of anxiety and just like thinking you're okay, maybe you're not okay. And so then what happened that made you continue to turn into this work of undoing, unlearning and remembering again? I allowed every single forbidden thing to come into my life. And not because I wanted to do it or experience it or whatever. It was, I was, I allowed myself to be curious and to be open-minded and ask myself, well, why is this thing so, so bad? Like, why was I taught that this thing is so bad? Let's say red lipstick, right? Like, why is red lipstick so bad? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's such a basic thing. It's lipstick, for God's sakes. It's like, it's nothing, really. But why is the color red even so threatening? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, why is uh, any of this like so so threatening? Any of the things that we are told that we, we shouldn't ever be associating with. Um, and so I leaned into the forbidden. I leaned into it, not because that was my new identity, but because it was an important experience for me to ask myself, what is the power behind this? And it's interesting because it doesn't really matter what it is that you explore within the forbidden. It all leads back to the same thing. It's this idea that power does not come from outside. Power comes from inside. And then once I understood that, I mean, it's just like the liberation is so, it's, it's so thorough. It really is. And then your eyes are really open for the first time. And then you're like, oh my gosh, like these rules, these, these rules, like people don't examine these rules or, or they, they gloss it over with things like, well, it, it helps people get along. Um, and what would it look like if everyone had their own rules? Um, but the thing is, they paint it as if it's going to be like anarchy and just pure chaos. But the thing is, if you truly are tapped into your true, true voice, your voice is going to be one of love and compassion anyway. Right. Con right? Control, that external control, that's not coming from love and compassion. That's from wanting to um, keep people um, as slaves. Right. Restricted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were we were on vacation and Julio was talking to somebody about I think they were talking about, you know, spirit or God or and uh Julio was talking about more how the, it's an experience. Um it's not this like outside source that you maybe pray to, maybe they help you out, maybe they don't. It's like an internal your breath, you know, you're like your your spirit. And I don't know, he was making this beautiful argument. And the guy he was talking to was like, you're right, you're right. But however, I, I think I, I think we need commandments. Mm. We need the commandments. And Julio was telling him, you know, if I love myself and appreciate myself so much, and I'm in touch with who I am as a human, whether you're a woman or a man or whatever, it's just like if when you're in touch with this, and you're so at peace and in love with yourself, you don't need commandments. You're not going to go try to kill someone or rob them or whatever. You're working out of or, or, or existing out of this love 
And that's kind of, I think, maybe what you mean about making your own rules. Like if your own rules are from a deeply knowing who you are, belonging to yourself first, then why are you even going to need the commandments? The commandments are when you're a freaking slave. And, you, and it's coming from outside source. And they're so restricting. I see it a lot, for example, in, I mean, I see myself having done it with my kids, right? I'm trying to get out of it. I've been trying for years to get out of it, but it sneaks in there. But also, you mentioned, like, we know that some of these ideas are ridiculous, right? We know that women now can wear whatever they want and say what they want and wear bright red lipstick. However, subconsciously, subconsciously, we still check up on each other or at least pass these things down um, about censorship, censoring, censoring freedom, censoring, um, or at least maybe that's sometimes how I feel. I know I go to some places and I don't feel okay to be able to talk whatever I wanna say. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I mean, it just happened a couple of weeks ago. I was with some friends and family down in Mexico and two or three things I said, they immediately turned around and said, ay, tu la rarita, like the weird one. They called me the weird one. Mm. You know, I own myself enough to know that that's not true, of course. Or, or I'd like to be the weird one and not be like you, thinking that, you know, and at one point this other lady was talking about how she has to always cook dinner, she hates cooking, she hates cooking, but it's her obligation. And I had to get up and go to the bathroom and puke. The fuck do you mean it's your obligation? I mean, it's your obligation. I cook because I love to cook. My obligation is to myself first. But anyway, that's that's a whole other. I mean, no, that's not a whole other. That's exactly what this is about. This whole idea that you have to do something to belong, to be worthy of whatever your position in life is, whether it be a wife or a husband or and um I think I kind of went down a whole rabbit hole, but but I what I was trying to say is how we are still affected deeply by this. Because he called me the weird one and I was like, oh whatever, I know what I am. But then but then I went and sat down and I was like, I'm not gonna talk anymore. And I just shut down. Right. It still affected you, right? Yeah. Those words. Yeah. Yeah. And and the weird one, what does it mean? It means you don't belong. That's what it means. Mm-hmm. You don't fit in. You're not part of this family. You're not part of this group. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, uh, you know what I've also been thinking? I've been thinking how, let's say in the wellness slash spirituality circle, where there's all this discussion about being authentic and being vulnerable and being real and women helping women. Yet, in this circle, I see it. I see the sexism. I see, it's almost as if like, okay, fine. We all in this space are saying, these are the rules, essentially, right? These are the, the new rules, which is everybody belongs. Allegedly. And you, right? And yeah, you, you are who you are. Um, let's be real. Uh, we're not competing. Yet the sneaky patriarchal symptoms come through. It's almost like, okay, well, now that I've got everyone thinking that it's safe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get ahead a bit. 
I'm going to lose a little more weight. I'm going to look a little more sexy. I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to all of a sudden bring back patriarchal rules because it gives me a bit of an edge compared to the other women that have allowed themselves to be totally safe and are not judging these things so much anymore. So I, I do see that. And it, it's, it's tempting. It's tempting to, to bring it back because a, the larger culture still abides by this and B there. It, when one woman has the power to exclude other women, it, it, it is very, um, it, it is this bid for power, right? It is a bid for exclusivity because in that larger culture, uh, the rarer you are um, and, and the more of a hold you have on gatekeeping, so to speak. Um, and, in, and, and really, at the end, it's also a form of classism uh, with the sexism. Then, then yeah. And so I, I do see this um, within women. Um, and it's interesting because the minute you talk about it, it's like, no, no, no. Women support women. We're not competitive. And it's like, really? <laughs> Really, like I, I certainly see it um, a fair bit, even in greater Vancouver, um, you know, and like between studios or between practitioners. And you're just like, wow, wow. Like, I, I, I think a lot has been missed. And, um, and ultimately, it is something that makes one feel unsafe as they navigate this. And it does interfere with one's ability to be able to trust. Because at the end of the day is what we had talked about earlier. It's just like, it's harder to, to know who to trust when we know that there's these rules that can kind of seep back in any moment. Yeah. And to have that awareness when they're seeping back in, mm -hmm. you know, because, um, and I'm, and I'm trying to speak this from my own personal experience, right? Like when I am talking to another woman and immediately I, I feel like, oh, my body's tightening up a little bit here. Like I'm holding back. I am, I am acting a specific way so that I'm not called the rarita, the weird one. Mm -hmm. And that's when I, when I catch myself in that is when I, be, I need to, okay, okay. What the fuck is happening here? Take a deep breath. Remember who you are. Notice that the subconscious programming is sneaking up. And just be, Gris, straight up. And if they don't like you, fuck it. They will like you. Because the deeper I connect with me, then it's just more, it's just more real. But these, these systems, these, these rules, these programmings, they keep coming up. So it's a constant checking in, checking in. And I like to bring it to the attention to how I'm experiencing it because I can sit here and talk shit about 50,000 other people that aren't doing it, but then I'll catch myself just like, oh, especially like scrolling on whatever Pinterest or seeing a woman and do like, wow, look at her. I mean, she, and then I think, wow, wouldn't, I would like to be that. So why am I criticizing something that, you know, like I, mm -hmm. I catch myself criticizing somebody else's freedom. Right. Owning their body, owning their beauty. Because I was always told, don't do that. That's too, you know, shamed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's just a disservice to life. 
the disservice to, I think, what we came in to embody. The beauty, the magic. And to experience each other. Yeah. Right? But if we're so busy um, self-filtering and censoring each other, then what exactly are we really experiencing? I think another piece Mm -hmm. that has been really helpful for me is for me to ask myself, how have I reinforced and perpetuated patriarchy? How has patriarchy served me, helped me? Like what, Mm -hmm. what parts of the rule book do I play well and use it as a weapon against other women? I think that's very important for all of us to be very honest about, Mm -hmm. because I think Nothing's going to change if we're not willing to talk about the privileges that we have in the system. Um, some of them are born into, some of them are, are, you know, circumstantial, some of them we've earned even. Um, but, but I think that's also an important piece because it's, an, it's easy to say, oh, I hate these rules. But then there are a few of those rules that we actually can play well. Um, and then we use them as a way to protect ourselves and to keep us safe and to uh, perhaps exclude other women. So like sexism is something that it needs to be an internal exercise too. Right. Like what will be one of the rules that you can think of? Well, I am married with, I'm married to a man and uh, I have two children. So I, I played into the sexism story, which is a woman is happy when she is married with kids. So, right, like I know, but this oh, is, and I'm, I'm not saying I play that well by no means, <laughs> like, I'm not sure about that. But I'm saying that it's that, a story is, that, that yeah. is a normative that mm-hmm. I fit into and it's given me certain credibility or access or whatever you want to call it within the system. Right. Um, I'm, a heterosexual woman. There's certain privileges assort, like associated with that too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. Like there's there's mm-hmm. all these pieces that uh, I need to be aware of, and also once I'm aware of it, I don't want to use these things as a way to weaponize. I the best thing to do with these is to use it as an invitation to invite more people in. Because that, that's the opposite of belong. Sorry, that's the opposite of not belonging, of, right? Like it's of the, the othering piece. You don't belong. You're, you're weird, let's say. You, you used that earlier. Mm-hmm. You're, you don't fit in. Well, the opposite is, yes, you do. Come here. Come sit with me. I've got a place for you at this table. Yeah. In fact, not only do I have a place for you at the table, but I, I saved a, tab- a space for you at the table. This spot, the best spot at the table. That, I feel, is very counter sexism and very counter patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. And you do that very well, by the way. Oh, working on it still every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's important work. You know, this liberation is important work. And um, I, I always, always think like, okay, at the end of the life, right, on the deathbed, assuming we can still remember things, this will be a non-regret, right? This will be a, yeah, man, I did this work. I broke through these barriers. I participated in the evolution of consciousness and love and magic. Um, 
because, uh, you know, bringing it back to, supposed to this, well, this may or may not be sexism, but whatever. We're, we're just going to allow this to flow. And this is what Tales of Recovery is, right? Talking to heal. <laughs> because one of the things that, that came up a couple of days ago, so I was with one of my clients. We did a session. And, um, you know, she has a lot of, like, intuition. And she thinks, like, things and then they happen. And she, um, but very, very, you know, Mexican Catholic family. So one of the things she was asking me is, you know, I see you and what you're, what you're doing. And like, I talked to Lunita and she's like, I heard your podcast with Mimi. So basically what she's realizing is she's, she's a bit of a witch, right? She knows mm. she's a medicine woman. She has these intuitive thoughts and like sensations, but she's still censoring herself because that's weird. As a woman, you know, you, and maybe men too, I, I'm assuming men too, but I'm talking from the perspective of what I've known and from her, this conversation. And I was like, you know, yeah, she wants me to mentor her. I'm like, of course, of course, we're going to do this. Of course. But the, and this is one of several that I've gotten to have this conversation with. This same censorship, it just breaks my heart because it's like, it breaks my heart, but it also opens it up because I see the hope of opening up and what we're speaking out loud is allowing others to step into. Mm -hmm. Even just talking about it is very liberating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, in being willing to go through the shadow work, the dark process, right? Like, hey, devil, what's up, man? What did I miss out on? Oh, because one of the things we were talking about, this would be funny. You might, you might think this is funny. Um, speaking with, we have, we talk a lot about this here at my house, like, you know, deconstruction of all these patriarchal systems. And I mean, my husband for a while was like walking on next shows with my daughter and I like, you can't say that. You can't say that, you know, open your mind, woman power, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, but there's been beautiful conversations and the growth in the past two, three years in my house has been like, incredible um but one of the things that comes up was okay this religion thing right this patriarchal thing we don't we're not owned by these lies anymore so my husband said the other day like well let's buy a ouija board oh my god he was fucking with me right i'm not gonna buy a ouija board (laughs) what the hell we're not gonna say why not like, I don't, I don't know. And then I just went back to 13 years old in the closet in my family, all the neighborhood kids were all in there like, Ouija board, Ouija board. Ah! And it moved and we all ran out. We're like, oh my God, this is so bad. But it's so scary, you know? Um, and I'm like, what the hell? And he's like, and he's t- like pushing me like, well, you're speaking all this freedom and liberation and this owning who you are and medicine women. What the hell do you give a shit if there's a Ouija board? It's just another tool. It's a divination tool. I'm like, no, it's from the devil. Wait a minute. He's right. <laughs> so interesting, eh? Just that you catch that programming come up in all, all contexts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to ask oneself what these, you know, the, the rules. And, and there's a general rule, set of rules that society has. And then 
the ones that are unique to your family upbringing is a different one. Sometimes there's similarities between society and family, but sometimes there's like unique ones that are only from your family. Um, and I, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's important to really ask oneself, like, why do these rules exist? And is there um, another side to the rules that can provide some wisdom. So for instance, and this one is more so in the, the general society because it, it does appear in the Bible, which is honor your father and mother so that it may be well with you and you can live a long life. Well, I have a few criticisms on that. Number one, <laughs> number one, why do you need to be promised that things will be well with you and that you would have a long life in order to honor your parents. Like, why do I need a reward? I think it's just nice to to be a good human being, like period, right? Number one. And yet the other piece is how come there's no commandment that says that you should honor your children? Like, that's what I mean by the opposite of the rules. It's just like, okay, well, they talk about honoring the parents, but there's nothing about honoring the kids. And, you know, let's, let's not think about what the priests have done to those children. You know, I, why it's because no, no, there's no rule in the Bible to talk about not molesting. Like, right. Like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's just like, wow. Like, but there's so much fixation on these, these rules. They need to be explored. We need to wake up and explore, look into it. Like I had never even thought about that concept you just mentioned. There's a reward. I'll live a long and healthy life if I honor my parents. Not just, hey, come on, honor them. They're your ancestors. Exactly. You know how much shit had to happen for you to get here? totally yeah this is great revisiting re- revisiting these uh these programmings that aren't they're not working anymore yeah the other one is about the children you're right like the children should be seen and not heard bullshit you know you can take it all the way to the mm. other side but but the children are the teachers. Yes. The children are the teachers. And bringing it back to the sexism, you know, when, when my daughter was, I don't know how old she was, and, but she was getting ready to go to a homecoming or prom, one of those beautiful dances. <laughs> and her dress, she bought her own dress. She got it, she put it on and it was just like, I mean, it was so low cut. She looked amazing and she, I looked at it and my initial, instinct per se programming was going to be like oh, what the f- you're going to wear that you know? and i just yeah I, where's your shawl <laughs> <laughs> like my dad used to tell my mom you might catch pneumonia yeah you're going to cover up <laughs> and i'd be like what what and so i caught myself and i was like wow you look so beautiful i wish i had the courage at your age to wear oh. that and fucking own it mm, yeah you know, and she owns her body. Oh, um, you know, we get a lot of shit like, why is your daughter posting those pictures on Instagram? Blah, 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 blah. Like sometimes and I'm like, mm, you like looking at her, huh? Mm. How's that? How does that make you feel? What does that bring up inside of you? What does that need to censor her? 
or posting her beautiful body in the beach in a bikini, you know, whatever. Like, Remember, it's the viewer that sexualizes. It's not the being, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. when they say that when children are innocently dancing and saying, oh, that's, that's too risque, it's too provocative. Well, actually the children are just dancing. It's the viewer that infers meaning to what the children are doing. And that's actually where, uh, where, the, where the danger comes in. That's when the programming begins. Mm-hmm. And you start to censor. We were at another gathering. Well, actually, I don't know if it was the same one where they called me the weird one. But the, when my, my, grand, my grandson, well, he's my step-grandson, but he's five, six years old, I think. He's a great dancer there on TikTok all day and he's so cute. And he was, you know, he was uh, moving his hips like a brunch, like a little mm-hmm. trucking. And everybody was cracking up. He was so cute and he's such, he's got the beat. And I'm like, oh yeah, go. And one of the patriarchal men said, stop that. You can't do that. And totally shamed him about it. Oh. Where did you learn how to do that? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, did your parents teach you that? And this was all kind of in joking, you know? But I just stepped in and I was like, hey, hey, hey. He's moving naturally, normally. It's a total natural move. Leave mm-hmm. him alone. And the mom was just petrified because she's a young mom and, you know, she was invited. She didn't know what to say. Or and I was like, dude, this is how it all freaking starts. He looks at me weird like, what? I'm like, no, no, no. We have to own our sexuality. He's six years old. It's fine. Don't, or we can find a different way of explaining. Hey, maybe don't do that at someone's face. It might be, you know, the boundary issue. But he wasn't even doing that. He was just dancing, moving. And that repression of our, you know, we're sex walking on legs. That's who we are, right? That's creative force, creative energy. And that's, and that's, and, and I'm so passionate about that because I see how I have been affected by that my entire life, even though I've been a rebel and I've done whatever the fuck I wanted all my life. It's subconsciously, it's so in there. We, I don't want this to go as a message to other kids. Fucking censor, censor yourself. If you have a problem doing that, then you don't do that. Don't tell a cute little kid who's dancing. I mean, he ended up crying inside, being shamed. Yeah, so. Even when you say you've been a rebel your whole life, like that that label, rebel, it's it's loaded, obviously. Um, Are you, though, really a rebel? Like if, if the rules didn't exist and, or if you were in an environment where you were really encouraged to just be you, maybe that wouldn't be a term you use to describe your story. Maybe you would have used a different word. Maybe, you know, maybe the word would be free. Maybe it wouldn't be rebel because rebel, there's just, there's all these connotations associated with. And so, yeah, I find that even someone who is free, or someone who is a bit more contrarian or rebellious, it's like, you know what? Like some, there's moments where I'm like, I didn't ask to, to be defined as this. And yet by virtue of the rules existing, um, you wind up naturally taking these on. So even just unpacking that, it's like, no, I'm, I'm just me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that would that makes so much sense. And it's, uh, I guess it's part of the reason for this podcast is so we can all 
become aware and notice when these things are happening. You're right. You're right. Why do I? Because in a way, like you say, okay, I'm this rebel and I take on this role. And so now I'm on the defensive. Right. And it's exhausting. Yes. You're, you're always the worrier. You're always the one that's, and I mean, I think there's something so sacred about the warrior. I, I love the warrior archetype. It's one of my favorites. Um, yet it's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, and it's again, like, like a character, right? Like a role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. One of these beautiful teachers that I work with <clears throat> said, you know, you're no longer a warrior. Now you could just be like a lover. Like, you don't have to get up there and I'm the warrior, just, just. So that's, that's one of the shifts that I've come into doing all this work and allowing the awareness of what is sexism and what is programming and when it's coming up on me, because I want to celebrate your freedom. I want to celebrate when you wore red lipstick. Oh my gosh, she looks amazing. I want to go put on my red lipstick too, you know, instead of <gasps> with the red lipstick, you know, like. Just, what does she think she is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All that what does she think yeah. she is? Free? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. In, For sure. Yeah. I, in, I wanted to say one more thing. Um, I realize that, uh, you know, we, we can talk about this forever, really. But okay. I, I love looking to, to nature. I, I love looking to the land. And let's say... Just look at a tree. Look at one single tree. Let's say a pine tree. The pine tree is a pine tree. But I don't look at the pine tree like, whoa, pines are so rebellious because they're not cedars. Like, no, they're, they're, just, they're just pine trees. They just are who they are. Um, and we don't do the opposite. Like, oh, gosh, like how dare pine smell so good. Like, who does she think she is? Like, we, we don't do these things. Nature mm-hmm. is nature. Land is land. And, and we are meant to be unique. We're meant to show up in our own originality. And I think that's also part of the sexism is this idea that there's one perfect I, female form. Yeah. No, we are all incredibly perfect. And when we're so busy enforcing these rules on ourselves and with each other and then comparing ourselves. It's like, we're all of a sudden all competing to be the same tree. It's like, no, there's trees, there's flowers, there's animals, there's, you know, like we can go on, there's beautiful rocks. There's, uh, there's, there's all these aspects that are part of existence. And I really do believe that humans are meant to be that way too, like completely diverse and unapologetic Mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's so beautiful because bringing it back to mother nature bringing back to embodiment bringing it back to the elements instead of up here with ideas yeah is part of the process that i've been able to how i've been able to heal and remember in particular as i get older right i look to nature i look to the trees i look to like Hey, I mean, I'm going to get wrinkles. I'm not going to be in this quote unquote idea of what sexy woman or sexism ideology is. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I I think that's the other part. It's like, we don't as a culture honor uh, 
the the crone, right? Like there's this, like if we were to look at the female through the avatars of the maiden, the mother, and the crone as all being female and all being very sacred, like there is an obsession with the maiden. Mm-hmm. We want the virgin forever. We want her tiny little waist and her perky round breasts and this this you know wrinkleless face. Um, but the truth is every woman goes through the process of leaving that maidenhood and entering into motherhood, even if they don't actually are biological mothers, you, you take on the energy of the mother, capital M, the, the mother archetype, and then eventually into the crown archetype. Mm-hmm. And and it's so interesting because even for me, like I feel that like I'm I'm in that mother phase and and I, I see that crone will be my next step. And um and yet I was the most insecure when I was in my maiden archetype within my body. Well in general. And it's so interesting. It's like, oh my gosh, like now looking back, I'm like, what was I so insecure about? Like, I really don't know because I see my body now and like, A, I definitely appreciate my body way more. And I also realized that like I was glorious in my, my maiden archetype, but I didn't honor it then. I was so, I, I was, I hated myself then. I, I thought everything about me was wrong, but that's because I was looking at the rule book yeah. of what, you know, this is what a woman should look like. And part of that, there's, um, you know, we, we can talk about this. There's, there's the race piece, right? Like I, I, in my mind at that time, it was, I, I felt that whiteness was beautiful. And so I would be like, well, you know, my nose is not the right shape. My eyes aren't the right shape. Like my skin color is not the right color. Like, you know, my, like all these things. Um, and what is so beautiful about the mother archetype and the crone um, archetype is that real uh, understanding of of owning yourself. Owning yourself and owning reality yes. as it is. Like you say that about classism and coloring. And I mean, my grandmother, since I was 12 years old, would sit next to me. And grab my nose and be like, if we That's did exactly here, what my grandmothers did. And if you lifted your lips and I'd be like, oh, why are you doing that? So of course I was always looking at my nose like, oh, it's not this perfect little Barbie yeah. nose. <laughs> yeah, it was, they were always like, if I, you know, just kind of even, I even, I even had aunts that said, Mimi, if you just pinched the, the bridge of your nose, which doesn't really exist for many Asian faces, if you just pinched the bridge of your nose every day, you would have a more beautiful nose by the time you're older. And then I did that. I was a child. And I bruised my, I I literally bruised the bridge of my nose. My mom saw me one day and said, what the heck have you been doing? And I told her (laughs) and she was so mad. She said, I'm going to talk to your aunt. And she said, you are beautiful. And, you know, not to say that there weren't issues between my mom and my mother in the story of whiteness, because there were, um, but I'm so glad she said that to me. And I stopped. I never once pinched yeah. the bridge of my nose after that. It's so powerful. Yes. What the mothers say, which is why we need to watch what we say to totally. our kids. Even, are you going to eat that? I mean, come on now. Like any kind of statement, like, 
yeah, maybe I overdid it with my kids. Like you're beautiful, this and that. But I do. I don't remember my mother ever telling me when I was young that I was beautiful. It was always like, you need to wear this. You need to do this. You need to do more. And when my grandma would come in and like, you know, try to change the shape of my face or just play around with what surgery we were going to get done. My mom never stepped in and said, hey, 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 what the hell are you doing? You Leave her alone. Don't worry, honey. You're beautiful. So there's so much power in that. Well, she said that I was beautiful once and that was the nose thing. <laughs> <laughs> and later, hey, later on, <laughs> when I got my period, she said the complete opposite. She, it, it's like almost like she went out of her way to remind me that I wasn't beautiful because she was so terrified that I'd become pregnant. Like it was just like, uh, oh, you know, wow. and so, Fear. yeah, there's all sorts of stuff there. <laughs> A different podcast <laughs> episode. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, we could go on for hours. The thing, the, 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 I'd like to, I guess we could probably end it in a little bit, but just to reiterate the whole fact about becoming aware of when these programmings come up, questioning them, diving deep into why am I acting like this? Why am I thinking this? Is this true? Is this true? Where is this coming from? And then to remember that I belong to me, I belong to me. And the more I love who I am and get rid of this programming, then the more I connect with me and then oh, I can connect with other women. Um, like I love connecting with you, you know, and having these deep conversations and just, there's no competition, there's respect, there's, um, I mean, just like this joy that flows. And I really want that with all my women friends, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the main woman that I want to be friends with is me. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Owning my wrinkles, owning my, I mean, I'm in the crown road right here, girl. You're so younger than him. I mean, I love the crone so much because the thing with the mythology of the maiden is she's looking for someone to rescue her. She's looking for the prince. Mm. But guess what? No one's coming. No one's fucking coming. <laughs> They don't come. He is not here. He's not coming. Yeah. And so guess what? You come. You come for yourself. Yeah. You show up for yourself. And that's really what helped me understand. Okay. Like it's like, because this is the thing, you know, you follow the rules, you follow the rules. You know, someone's gonna come and rescue you. Someone's gonna come and like live happily ever after. Nope. No. <laughs> no. It's a lie, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one's coming. Yeah, I love that that uh, that little image where they have Snow White and it's another Snow White kissing her. Like, no one's coming. You've got to do it for yourself. Yeah, Yeah. we are our own rescuers. We are our own um, lovers. Mm -hmm. We are our own um, goddesses. It's inside. The work is inside. And out of that connection, then we can deeply connect with other women and and be free right even i'm not even gonna call myself a rebel anymore i mean (laughs) oh i love it yeah you are you are who you are it's like because i mean when we we, and i said what i said earlier with the pine and the cedar because it's so silly when we see it through that lens like oh my gosh like of course like it's it's so clear but when we are in our lives as humans we yeah it's easy to to forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So the work is in remembering, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for this fun and deep and informative and loving conversation, dude. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Big, big, like fist bumps and high fives and hugs. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you everyone for listening and for just showing up. So continue. We're continuing here in the work and the recovery and recovery means getting back that, which that you lost, right? It's recovering. It's getting back. So here we are just getting it back, man. And we'll see you in the next Tales of Recovery. Bye-bye.